in uh, Palestine at that time. And so four to five times the population had flooded in to Jerusalem and was filling the temple. So there are tons of people at the temple in Jerusalem. Now remember, people worshiped throughout the country in synagogues regularly, but the temple in Jerusalem had great significance. It was the most important and most significant place of worship to meet God. And so there's a picture here of Jesus entering into the temple and seeing all this commotion going on. Basically, it's like the, a flea market at the raceway. Real, I mean, a lot of commotion, lots of activity. Animals, they just mentioned doves here, but there's all sorts of animals. Now, it wasn't normal to buy and sell. I mean, you had to buy animals to sacrifice. That was not a bad thing. You had to change your money to buy animals. Um, and um, so what's really bad about the situation, though, is the high priest, Annas, really took advantage of the situation and exploited it for his own prosperity. So, for example, all those that wanted to rent a stall to sell animals for sacrifices had to pay, of course, he, 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 he charged a high price, and they had to pay a percentage to him. Those that wanted to buy animals had to buy them in that courtyard, which was also called the Gentile court. This was all taking place in the Gentile court, which is sort of the outer, outer perimeter of the temple. There were two other courts in there. There's the inner court and then the Holy of Holies where only uh, the Jews were allowed to go. But in this Gentile court, this flea market's going on, and he's created it this way so he can prosper. And so they had to buy their animals. If they, he made the rule, to be acceptable, you've got to buy our animals. Well, the animals were 10 times more expensive in the Gentile court than they were, say, if they could buy them outside the temple. So he really exploited uh, the people in that space in that way as well. Also, uh, the money changers, because people, you couldn't use the Roman coins, which were ordinarily used for commerce, you couldn't use Roman coins in the temple. You had to exchange your money and get the temple money. Of course, he put a high exchange rate on that. Okay, he's making it difficult. And, and then finally, it says that uh, there were people carrying merchandise, and Jesus stopped them from doing that. People were just cutting across the court, using it, the court as a shortcut to get to a different exit, okay, which really would be unheard of or ought to be unheard of in a temple set aside for God. But what's, and also just want to mention the prayer for all the nations. That comes from uh, Isaiah where it's talked about that God's salvation will come to everybody. And this Gentile court, was a symbol that God's, God's space is open to everybody. Gentiles, the marginalized, the crippled, the lame, the, the deaf, the blind, all these people were allowed in the Gentile court. Now, the high priest had a lot of power. I mean, he actually had like absolute power, 
okay, over the temple. And he gave the temple guards a lot of power. As a matter of fact, they had the power that if a Gentile accidentally stepped over their line, you know, their boundary of their court into the Jewish court, the temple guard could kill them on the spot. These temple guards had a lot of authority and power, as well as did the priest and the high priest. So now in comes Jesus. And what to me is so amazing about the setting and what happens in this setting is Jesus's anger. I'm not sure if you can pick up how angry he is. I mean, we see that he overturns tables. He is very, very angry. I mean, he previously has just rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and didn't really make that much noise about it. People were shouting Hosanna, but there wasn't a lot of noise or, you know, big fanfare around his coming into town. But boy, does he make a scene now. Now, when I think and contemplate Jesus' anger in this passage, it causes me to get a little uncomfortable because I'm not used to Jesus being this angry. Okay? Jesus is soft. He's safe. He's vulnerable. He's loving. He's merciful. But he has deep-seated anger in this event. And that, my friends, ought to get our attention. We are called to attention in this passage because of what and how Jesus is doing in it. The reason I think his anger is so dramatic is because there is something here that he is after to protect, that needs protecting. And it is this, space to meet God. The temple was meant for a place where people could come and worship and experience love. God's love, experience his forgiveness through their sacrifices, experience his intimacy. Jesus knows that if people can't get to God and experience those things, they are missing out on the core of their existence. This is touching on the very identity of your personhood, their personhood, because getting to God, connecting with God, union and communion with God is what your life is all about. I don't have meaning and I don't have purpose apart from the love of God. And Jesus is out to protect it, and he is mad. He is angry. There are so many distractions here. There is so much indifference here. People running through the court like it's not a, a, a place to meet God. Um, and they're in denial about how important space for God is. 
I think we need to pay attention to the passage because of how Jesus responds to it. I came across a poem that I think really helps us personalize this passage. It's called Be Free for God by Jean Danielou. I have a need of such clearance as the Savior affected in the temple of Jerusalem, a riddance of clutter of what is secondary that blocks the way to the all-important central emptiness which is filled with the presence of God alone. I'm going to read it one more time, and as I do, I want you to think about the words or phrases that impact you personally from the poem. Be free for God. I have a need of such clearance as the Savior affected in the temple of Jerusalem, a riddance of clutter of what is secondary that blocks the way to the all-important central emptiness which is filled with the presence of God alone. Oh, don't want to do that one yet. Would you take out this yellow paper? If you do not have a bulletin, raise your hand because everybody needs a bulletin in this service for this yellow paper. And a pencil. If you don't have a pencil or pen, raise your hand. Pencil or pen, raise your hand. We want to get you a pencil or a pen. Keep that hand nice and high and the usher will bring it to you. Keep those hands high so they can get you a pencil. Can you turn to the poem? I'd like to take a moment. As you look at that poem, look at the poem with me. And just call out, but try and do it one at a time. <laughs> call out a word or phrase that speaks to you. Emptiness. Clutter. I have a need. Secondary. All important. Clearance. Blocks, presence, filled. That was wonderful. Now we're, we're going to be able to continue to do that. What I'm going to do is, I want you to now turn over to, you see the questions there. Continue to go on and ponder and respond to questions two, three, and four, right where you are. That's why we gave you a pencil or a pen. I'm going to give you five minutes to be alone with God, try and block out everybody around you, and go ahead and ponder and respond to those questions. Two, three, and four. 
And I'll let you know when the five minutes is up with my chime. Go ahead, begin. One more minute.
Love that chime. So what I'm going to ask you to do now is get into a group of two or three. And I'm glad I said two or three last service because they were all four or five. If I said four or five, it might have been six or seven. But try as best you can to get into just a pair or a group of three. And what I'd like to ask you to do is share what you want to share from your paper. Maybe one thing. You're going to have five minutes so that both of you or the three of you want to be able to share within that time limit. If you are really uncomfortable sharing or you just prefer not to, just say, I pass. That's okay. No pressure. But when we share out loud something that's happened on the inside of us, it's like a double confirmation. That's why sometimes it's important to externalize what's been internalized. So you're sharing for yourself to hear, your, hear yourself what's been happening on the inside. And the listeners are going to just listen. And then they'll have a chance to share as well. And maybe even in the process, you may learn something from each other. But I'm going to give you five minutes, so go ahead, get in your groups of two or three, and again, I'll chime when uh, your time is up. Hi. Jackie looks like she needs somebody. You have a partner? No, I don't.
one more minute. Okay, one more minute, so make sure everybody has a chance to share. Okay, <clears throat> let's come back together. <clears throat> I wish we had time to process all of us. I would love to hear, how do you name what is secondary in your life, possibly blocking the way to experiencing God or clearing space for God? How do you name those things that are really secondary? Or who or what gets lost in your life when God's presence is obscured or blocked? Or what tables do you need to overturn? Or what tables is Jesus overturning without your permission in order to create space that you might get to God? There's a lot at stake in this passage, at this event, in this situation. The reason I know that is because up until now, the Pharisees and the priests have not been very happy with Jesus. They see him as a troublemaker. They've wanted to quiet him down. They've wanted to push him aside. They've wanted to make him unpopular. They've wanted even to arrest him. But after this event, they want to kill him because he threatens them. And they threaten, with Satan behind them, threatening people's connection to God, which will mean really living in the love of God, understanding your meaning and your purpose. So I just want to apply the passage in a few ways by really talking about what is at stake when we don't create space for God, when we don't clear space for God. If we don't clear space for God, first and most importantly, we will lose our souls. Mark 8, 36 and 37 says, what does it profit if you gain the whole world 
and lose your soul. What can a person give in exchange for their soul? Your soul, your connection to God is the most important thing in your life. Hear that. Hear that. That's why Jesus is so angry. That's what he's protecting. I think what Jesus experienced in terms of his connection to the Father is, is we're given a picture of that in Mark chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is what lived and breathed in Jesus' soul. We too are to live in the experience of seeing heaven torn open. Imagine the heavens are open. You experience heaven open. Look up there. Heaven is open and the spirit is coming to affirm you. And God's voice, you are not just hearing it, but you're hearing it in your heart and your soul and your body. I love you. I love you. You are so valuable to me. You make my heart leap. We are to live in that experience. Jesus lived in that experience. And that's the communion and union with God that gives our life meaning. Without love, without God's love, living in you experientially, your life does not have meaning. That's the first and most important one. Secondly, if we don't clear space for God, we will lose courage to be ourselves. Jesus is our example here. It was because of his connection with the Father and the way he experienced his love in an ongoing way that he was able to be courageous like he was in the temple. He didn't depend on friends and family to suggest he do the right thing. Life didn't just happen to Jesus. Let me ask you a few questions. Do you give in to people who make demands of you? or are pushy or overpowering rather than have a confrontation? Do you have a hard time standing up for yourself? Then get mad at others when you don't. Do you have feelings of hopelessness and powerlessness? Jesus did not look to other people to tell him he was okay. His soul was connected to the Father in heaven like ours can be, and that's where his validation came from. Next, if we don't clear space for God, we will lose compassion for others. 
the, the setting, as I reminded you, was the Gentile courts. The Gentile courts were not very worthy people in the eyes of the Jews, especially the priests and the high priests. They were the second-class citizens. And so it would be, it was, well, it's okay to have this flea market. It's okay to take up the Gentile court space for God because it's only the blacks. It's only the whites. Ah, it's only the Asians. Their space doesn't matter. It's only the Spanish. When I don't clear space to get to God, I lose compassion and become indifferent and sensitive to others in a New York minute. Especially the people I live with. Just ask my husband if he loses his keys. But I'm growing. I'm growing because I'm creating space to get to God. But Jesus had space to be with his father, hear how the father loved him, and that could overflow to compassion for others. He then knew what people needed. He knew the words people needed to hear. He knew the touch people needed. He knew, he knew the acceptance people needed. But I can lose compassion very quickly if I don't get to God. Next, if we don't clear space for God, we lose perspective on the culture we live in. It's another thing I can do in a New York Minute. Morph into the culture become just like everybody else, do life the way everybody else does it. And that's what we've been talking about in Ephesians, isn't it? That we are children of the light if we've chosen to follow Christ and receive his love and forgiveness. And if I'm a child of the light, that means I do life differently. That means we do anger different than the culture. We do relationships different than the culture. We do truth different than the culture, we don't spin it. We do relationships different. We do marriage different. We do sexuality different. We do being sons and daughters different. But if I don't clear space for God, I morph into the culture. And my identity gets shaped by the culture rather than God. I think about this in terms of us being a culture here in the U.S. that loves sports. I mean, part of our culture, our culture revolves around a lot of things, but it's certainly the seasons of sports. The last time I was up here alone, it was Super Bowl Sunday. I wonder how many people's identities were impacted when their team lost that day. And now this is March Madness Month. That's the month which all the college basketballs come together to play for the championship. A lot of time and energy and watching and paying attention to the statistics goes into March Madness. And then we've got baseball season and all those stats. And I am not saying that those things are not fun. They are fun and they're the spice of life. But we need to be careful not to get our identity from our culture. Our culture has lots of messages about whether we're good or bad or ugly or pretty or good enough or loved. 
based on a lot of bad messages. I need to get to God so I don't get my identity from them, but from the Father in heaven. I love you, he says. This quote from Henry Nowen, I think, drives home the last two points we mentioned. I have to kneel before the Father, put my ear against his chest and listen without interruption to the heartbeat of God. Then and only then can I say carefully and very gently what I hear. I know now that I have to speak from eternity into time, from lasting joy into the passing realities of our short existence in this world, from the house of love into the houses of fear, from God's abode into the dwellings of human beings, looking at people and this world through the eyes of God. And finally, if we don't clear space for God, we will lose eternal perspective. Jesus always had the vision of heaven before him. Mark 8.33, in that chapter, we see uh, Peter and Jesus interacting. Jesus has just talked to his disciples about the things that are going to happen to him. Really terrible, difficult things are going to come. And Peter takes him aside and starts rebuking him. He says, don't say that. Don't be such a pessimist or, or don't spread negativity or you've got to get your mind changed. And you, you know what Jesus says to him? Get behind me, Satan. Because there will be difficult times that come. But in Mark 10, Jesus talks about the fact that regardless of what you suffer, here on earth, you will be rewarded 100 times in heaven. I need to keep an eternal perspective when I am going through difficult things, unwanted things, disorienting things, because there is a heaven and there is a God who is working out all things for our good But there is a Satan who is also seeking to destroy you and your connection to God, the connection that's going to allow you to live in his love to the extent that even difficult things you know are from his love. This message is not about guilt. This is not about you better clear space or you're a bad person. You're not a bad person, but we're unfortunate persons because we're not experiencing connection with the love of God. That is a very real thing that is ours to know and experience and to have. So I want to finish with an invitation. And and as I'm doing that, the worship team can come forward. 
as I begin to talk specifically to hopefully all of us in this room. What are the steps we need to take in clearing space for God? You may be angry with God this morning because what you wanted to happen didn't happen. God did not come through for you the way you wanted God to come through to you. And you might not even know you're angry with God, but you know you're depressed. And really, probably the depression has been internalized anger, and it's anger with God. And I want to invite you to let God have your anger. Believe me, he can handle it. He can handle it. Give God your anger. Next, there are those of you that have not been able to clear space for God because you're distracted. Like Martha, you're just doing so many things. Even if they're good things, there's no margin in your life. If, you're, if you have to hurry a lot, then you're probably doing too many things. Hurry is usually a sign that we're doing too many things, we're juggling too many balls, and I have no margin in my life. Next, there are those of you that are overwhelmed, just overwhelmed by life. I know as a young mother or a mother of small children, I was constantly overwhelmed because small children need you like 24-7, not to mention if you're working outside your home as well as working inside your home. And I would just say that I didn't have the energy, even the wherewithal, to clear space for God, but I could yell help. And I would just say, Pete, help. I need space for God. And at least he would then help clear the space to get me to God. In the same way that Jesus was clearing the space for the Gentiles to get to God. That's why us getting to God will really impact whether other people do as well. My, one of my favorite times to be with God is in the morning when I've had no other human voice yet speak to me. That's why sometimes I will sleep apart from Pete so that I can wake up only to the voice of God and have those early morning moments or time with just hearing the voice of God. Next, there are those of you that are just indifferent. You really just don't see the importance of getting to God. There's a lukewarmness. Your spiritual senses have become dull. But I hope you've heard something today about the urgency and the all-importance of clearing space for God. Your life depends on it in that your life depends on the love of God to have meaning. Your life depends on it. Next, some of you are undisciplined, which a church father calls the sin of sloth. And what I mean by that is it's easier to be active than to stop and create and clear space for God. And then finally, some of us are fearful. There's shame. Maybe we're going to inconvenience others. Maybe it's trusting God to take care of our jobs or our families if we change the system a little bit to create space and clear space for God. 
Yes, creating and clearing space for God will impact your life. And initially, you might get some resistance. I know you'll get it from Satan. But in the long run, it will benefit you and it will benefit others. Because you will then be walking and living in what you were meant to walk and live in. You will not be a fish out of water. So as we go to this song, and, and I want you to ponder this song, and then afterwards we'll have an invitation for, to come forward for prayer. Let's stand together. And all I once held dear, built my life upon, all this world reveals, and woes to thought gain I have counted loss spent and worthless now compared to this knowing you Jesus knowing you there is no You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to Possessed by faith, what I could not earn, all surpassing gifts of righteousness, knowing Yeah. 
my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. You're my all, you're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you. In order for me to live in Mark 1, 10 and 11, you are my daughter, my son, whom I love. With you, Jerry, I am well pleased. And hear those words with such affection. I need to pause a couple times a day to be with God, put my ear to his chest, and hear those words. And now I want to invite you this week. It's not the amount of time you spend with God as much as are you connecting when you're with him. And so I invite you, go to Mark 1, 10 and 11. Pause a couple times during the day. Let those words get into your mind, your heart, and your body that you might experience his love for you. And so again, I want to pray, excuse me, I want to invite, if you are angry, depressed, distracted, overwhelmed, indifferent, undisciplined, or fearful, and these things are keeping you from creating space, clearing space to get to God, please come forward. We want to pray with you and for you to take a first step towards clearing that space. Your life depends on it. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all of us in this room. Protect us from the evil one. Keep our minds and hearts in Christ Jesus who demonstrated so visibly and tangibly that love that he and you share and want to give to us. Lord, may we receive it. Make your face to shine upon us, upon us, and may we go in peace in Christ's name. Amen. Please feel forward to come for prayer.